Hey, welcome to the Dossier Podcast with Jordan Schachtel. Today I wanted to do a little rant about the ongoing situation in Australia, especially Melbourne, where a minority group of protesters are taking to the streets in defiance of the government's edicts that they stay home until there no longer is a single case of COVID. So these people are out in the streets. They're protesting for their unalienable rights, their right to just be a human being, to live in freedom. And the police and military in Melbourne, um, which, you know, so Australia has a federal system and these individual states, um, in this case, the state of Victoria, they have a lot of independent power, but unfortunately, virtually every state in Australia has, instead of like, you know, the Ron DeSantis example, or even like Greg Abbott in Texas, or Christy Noem in South Dakota, no leaders in Australia really have taken to the, the laissez-faire approach to COVID. It's all been restrictionist, and the worst place is in the state of Victoria, where Melbourne is, and... Sadly, um, the vast majority of citizens in this state of Australia uh, are completely behind the mandates, the edicts, the idea that you should not leave um, your home at all unless you have what they call one of the five excuses, whatever they are, who cares, it's it's absurd. Um, There's also restrictions in place currently that you cannot um, do anything outside of a certain radius. So if your friend lives, um, I don't know the kilometer translation, so we're just going to go with miles here. If you have a friend that lives two miles away and the perimeter is one and a half miles, you're shit out of luck. And the police are going to be monitoring your phones, surveilling you in a million different ways, knocking on your door to make sure that you're home. Australia is a police state through and through in in most of the um, population centers. Your rights are, have vanished. And a lot of people are asking like, how did we get to the point where the police and the military are attacking peaceful protesters, shooting them with uh, rubber bullets, uh, beating them with clubs, treating them like like animals, uh, viciously beating these peaceful, peaceful protesters for the act of just being outside during a quote-unquote pandemic. You have to understand that Australia was one of the states that took, I guess you could call it, they took COVID way too seriously from the beginning. Very early on, they adopted this Wuhan-style eliminationist approach to managing COVID-19. So early on in Wuhan, China, um, the Chinese authorities, if, if you haven't read the dossier newsletter, I talk about this a lot in my articles, but the Chinese authorities claimed um, that after you know the first outbreaks in Wuhan, that COVID had been eliminated. And a lot of Western governments, sadly, saw that you know the Chinese lockdowns and you know them bolting people in their houses and shutting down the perimeter to the city 
that this is how they solved COVID. And China declared themselves cured of COVID within weeks after the outbreak. A lot of people forget this. And the, the, these lockdowns, you know, these, these like separating human beings from each other, um, all these radical measures is, you know, the idea that th- these can defeat a virus long term has always been nonsensical. And every Western government that tried lockdowns did so based on this false example that came out of Wuhan. So the Chinese Communist Party lied. And I I think as part of kind of an information operation to torch their adversaries, basically torch their economies, torch their societies, create conditions for complete upheaval that you're seeing throughout the Western world. China said, these lockdowns work. This is our medical expert opinion. And you know, this is what you need to do to get out of the pandemic. And instead of questioning what China was doing, well, actually, Japan, Taiwan, uh, China's tough adversaries in East Asia did question what they did and, and generally stayed open. But in Australia, in most of Western Europe, in the United States, we saw the lockdowns in Wuhan. We bought the lockdowns narrative. And next thing you know, you know, we're, we're, we're full speed ahead with these ridiculous lockdowns. And the data is very clear about lockdowns. Nowhere in the entire world has, you know, where there's open, transparent data, have lockdowns worked to eliminate a virus. It just hasn't happened. It, you know, in over 180 countries have tried these lockdowns. It hasn't worked. And they adopted the zero COVID ideology. And um, it still kind of stands in Australia. Them and New Zealand are really the last holdouts for zero COVID. But very early on, the Australian authorities convinced their citizens that COVID could be completely eliminated from circulation. An endemic virus that has now, um, you know, pinged positive tests in probably uh, hundreds of millions of people now, they put their citizens under the impression that COVID will never reach them. And sadly, you know, they sold them a bunch of false promises because, you know, now they have like thousands of cases instead of hundreds of cases where, you know, they thought that they'd be able to micromanage the situation and completely eliminate it. Australians would never have to worry about catching this disease with a 99.8.9, depending on how you do the math percent recovery rate. And now their only path out is through the mass um, mRNA uh, mandatory compulsory shots for at least, I think they said, 80% of the population before they start to give them their rights back. So that's where they're at now. But very early on, because of the seasonality effects, because it seems that, you know, in East Asia and Oceania, it seems that for whatever reason, people there just didn't catch COVID as often, even though, you know, they had the same kind of stuff going on. I think one of the obvious reasons is that Australia basically committed to a self-siege and they did not, you know, they shut that they've shut down travel since the beginning of 2020. They also do not allow their citizens to leave the country. Not only can you, um, you, you can't travel, you can't travel outside of the country, But now the latest thing in Australia is that you cannot travel between states. Um, And if you do travel between states, they are going to put you in a quarantine camp 
and you're going to be spending 14 days in this quarantine camp. Um, and if you decide that you want to leave this quarantine camp, you will be arrested and thrown in prison. And good luck with that where and when your countrymen will turn against you and label you, you know, a, uh, an evil menace that you are basically worse than the virus if you decide to, to stand up against uh, the, the COVID mania in Australia. So, you know, the real origin of this is that they, the, the government convinced the people that they could defeat a submicroscopic infectious particle by shutting down the country indefinitely. So now, you know, two years go by, they're still dealing with a virus problem because it's, it's not possible to eliminate a virus from circulation, uh, you know, unless they want to uh, starve their people and, and shut down travel forever and not import any or export anything, any person ever again then maybe they can continue this fight in perpetuity. You know, they might go economically bankrupt, but it seems that, you know, the, the virus that they're fighting takes priority over everything else. So, you know, the self-siege has been effective in the, in the sense that it has mitigated, I guess, their, their, a, a total catastrophic breakout for now, but it seems that anyway, all it did was really delay the inevitable because Australia is now reporting thousands of cases and good luck trying to, you know, put these quarantine camps that they have set up in every state now. Um, eventually, they're going to run out of capacity and then things are going to get really weird in Australia. And, it, you know, it, we've come to this moment through so many draconian policies, you know, it started with just, uh, you know, stay at home. They, they had a similar thing to what was going on in America, but it was always much more restrictive than what people dealt with, even in the most locked down states in the United States. I was reading some testimonies from Australians all over the country, and some of them have been living in lockdown for like 75% of the time since COVID started. So imagine staying in your house for uh, you know, three quarters of the year and only going really to the grocery store. And if you're actually one of these people who believes in the government narrative, you're making sure not to socialize with people. You're, um, you know, you're, you're wearing your ridiculous mask everywhere. You've probably been in contact with very human beings. And all of a sudden, you know, this comes like it becomes more of a medical and population-wide social experiment than any kind of preventative measure. We're really entering uncharted territory here. And it is sad to see, and I think it's a, it's a statement about the shortcomings of humanity, that human beings can absolutely be propagandized into doing awful things if the fear element is put into place. And I think ex that's exactly what's going on in Australia right now, is that um, you know, when you look at these, this polling, you know, I wish I could say something different. I wish I could say that, oh yeah, the Aussies, they, they really get it. And they're you know, standing up against the regime. And, but that's just not the case. The, the group that's out there in Melbourne right now is, is a small minority of heroic, courageous people and they are standing up for, I think, the rights of everyone in this pandemic. I think we should really consider 
what's going on in Melbourne right now as the front lines for what all, all of these governments are watching and they're seeing what they can get away with. And if they can clamp down on a protest in a supposed Western democracy, simply people taking to the streets, protesting for their fundamental freedoms, that is all they're doing. A lot of these people are, um, almost all of them, you know, very much blue collar. Uh, they work what people refer to as essential jobs. A lot of them, you know, have to show up at a construction site or you know a, a physical workplace. They are not part of this like work from home, um, Netflix and chill type class that can just hang out for the pandemic. And they have, you know, although Australia is a rich country. The, the welfare is not going to continue forever. You just can't print your way out of this mess. And they're, face, and they're hurting right now. So they're protesting for their right to just be able to make a living. And in addition to that, their right to just live as human beings with basic unalienable rights. And Melbourne's police, and the Victoria police, um, and even I saw some videos of the military coming in and really just abusing these people again shooting them with rubber bullets and if you look at these these injuries caused by rubber bullets i mean these rubber bullets are shot at an incredible velocity and they're causing serious injuries we've seen like people looking like destroyed probably need surgery um really injured uh, horrifically and the way that these these cops are are totally beating down on these protesters the, the police have gotten completely out of control. They are completely drunk on power, and it, it's totally shameful. And I hope that police officers in the United States and abroad know that this is wrong and that the only thing that you should be doing, if you're part of this kind of police department, you should resign and find a new job because you're committing unspeakable human rights atrocities. So if you believe in individual rights and freedom, you have no right to say yes to these type of orders to attack peacefully protesting citizens. Um, luckily, in the United States, we have constitutional boundaries in place to prevent something like this from happening, at least in states where, especially the Second Amendment, is recognized as a fundamental right. If you think that the police will be able to go door to door in Florida, in Texas, in Arizona, in a lot, of, in the, all of this, like all of these free states, you're you're dreaming. If you think the feds can go to door to door, same thing. There, there's no way that the American people would put up with this kind of thing in states that support the Second Amendment. And I think it acts as a restrictive force for these totalitarian crazies that are either governors of states. Um, or you know the local politicians is that they know they can only push so far because there's a class of people in America, you know this warrior class and this class that is, is very supportive of individual rights, individual liberties, that they're going to push back. So I think that's the fundamental difference that we're seeing. You know, if you look at the Anglosphere right now in Canada, uh, it's it's a rights restricted mess. No guns, no real liberties. Canada is teetering. Uh, I fear that winter is going to be a total mess. You know, the, the average respiratory season happens in the winter. 
So why would we expect anything less? You're going to see some complete tyranny, par for the course in Canada under the Trudeau regime. It's not going to be good. Same thing going on in the UK, even under so-called conservative leadership. Boris Johnson has been a total mess, total coward, uh, total loser. He's he, His personal story is unbelievable. I mean, this is a guy who got COVID, uh, recovered from COVID, got the vaccine. <laughs> then he was like a close, con- just like a story about talking about how much of a ridiculous person he is. He was, he was labeled a close contact. So after getting COVID, after getting the vaccine, so basically at this point, 0% chance that he can get COVID again. He was labeled somehow a close contact of someone who got COVID. And Boris went off into quarantine for like two weeks. It just shows the absurdity of the situation. Um, and the UK is, is again, uh, very restrictive with rights. And in the rest of the Anglosphere, you know, it's, it's just as bad. In, in uh, New Zealand, we always we know that New Zealand's like probably the biggest so-called democratic police state on earth right now. But there's no resistance in New Zealand that I can observe. There's a few people that follow me on social media, on Twitter and stuff that are Kiwis and reach out and say, you know, thanks for raising awareness about, you know, Jacinda and all those crazy people running the government. But I think in New Zealand, the situation is actually even worse. A lot of people like to rag on the the leader of Australia, Jacinda Ardern or whatever, however you pronounce her last name. But the so-called right-wing opposition in New Zealand, if you read their statements, they are just as bad. They are critiquing her for not locking down hard enough. Some of them are saying they're critiquing her on the logistics of the mRNA shot rollout. But you will not hear, because these so-called right-wing politicians know that the entire population in New Zealand has been propagandized to believe that they can defeat a virus and that they will never have to encounter a virus. They will never critique her for her rights-restricting craziness. Um, Auckland, New Zealand, where a significant plurality of the population lives, has been locked down for weeks, and they're still locked down over like a few cases. And there is no legit, there's no real political opposition in New Zealand. It's sad. Um, I think they had a, a an anti-lockdown rally, and literally one person showed up. I mean, God bless that person. Uh, bravest person in New Zealand. But there's just no resistance to be seen. So that's why the Melbourne situation, at least, is a little more encouraging. In Australia, at least, an opposition has been mobilized. And we need to find a way to support these people. I'm going to be spending the next few days trying to come up with some stuff and talk to people who are on the ground there. And I definitely want to bring them onto this podcast, too. But I think it's so important that we support this opposition movement because the reality is that Australia has turned into a police state everywhere you look especially in Sydney and Melbourne it's a total mess it's it's so sad to see and of course the worst part is that the masses are instead of supporting the protests they are cheering on the police 
they're the, you know all these organizations are making official statements all these corporations against the protest saying like how dare they decide to protest during a pandemic all this disgusting nonsense and people who love individual liberty who support freedom around the world need to do what they can to support these people through our rhetoric morally speak out about it share the videos there's so many crazy videos and photos um as i'm recording this it's it's going to go up um wednesday september 22nd the evening of that that's going to be the morning in melbourne so do what you can um there's a lot of people on the ground that are on our side in melbourne right now that are documenting what's happening by the way shout out to rebel news um avi yemeni has done an amazing job covering these protests and the police brutality and the robbing human beings of their unalienable rights. Uh, Rita Panahi has done an amazing job. Evelyn Ray of Cauldron Pool. These are all people on Twitter that you should definitely be following and on their other social media sites on Instagram. They've done a great job collecting these incidents of abuse, these heroic protesters that are being attacked, and they're documenting all of it and um, you know spreading the good word about the fight for freedom in Melbourne and if you could you know give them a retweet or just write your own articles and publish them somewhere it's the most consequential I think fight for freedom that's going on right now in the entire world and we need to do what we can to raise awareness about it because if this protest movement fails and they've promised to be there every day. And these are some really tough people. So, you know, if we support them, I, I think this this protest movement will last longer and longer and build a bigger, bigger base of support. And finally, this will be, hopefully we can achieve some type of success. They can stand up against these tyrants and these police and military forces will back down. And not only will the forces in Melbourne back down after seeing people stand up, I think you'll see a cascading type of domino effect throughout the West, throughout a lot of these other countries that are so-called democracies, that they there's a point where you push people to a breaking point where they, they've had enough. They've had enough of the crazy regime. And it, we need to keep encouraging these protest movements because when you know other human beings, there's a lot of fence sitters out there. There's still a lot of people who think, um, in Melbourne and elsewhere that, hey, you know, it's too risky to be protesting, but I kind of believe and agree with the sentiments of the protesters in Melbourne. And we want their numbers to continue to swell. So if we continue to provide them steady support uh, through all of the ways that we can, I think that this protest movement will continue to grow. And it's not just in Melbourne, of course, you know, you're seeing giant anti-lockdown rallies throughout Western Europe that aren't really being published. And, you know, a lot, a lot of these corporate press outlets are smearing these people said, oh, you know, it's an anti-vax rally. Uh, but the reality is that these people throughout Western Europe, and I think even in Canada, there's been some protests that what they're really protesting is the imposition of total tyranny in the name of protecting people from a virus. In a lot of these countries, they already have their discriminatory movement passes that the government has decided to call, you know, a green pass, a COVID pass, vaccine passport, whatever you want to call it. 
And the purpose for that is to, you know, create different tiers of society and basically segregate people who do not conform with the regime. So, you know, the, the protests that are going on in, in Melbourne and Western Europe, it has nothing to do with, you know, questioning the science, although, you know, the regimes in charge have dedicated themselves to quackery, to pseudoscience. What they're really fighting for is for human freedom and for the dignity of each and every human being to be able to hold on to their unalienable rights and that no government should be able to take them away. And this is a, you know, this is the defining principle of what founded the United States. But unalienable rights belong to everyone you know, across the globe, not just in the United States, everywhere. So we have to do what we can to support those rights, to make sure those vi rights aren't violated. And, uh, you know, I stand with the people protesting in Melbourne, and I hope that all of you join me.